This is episode 122 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Kathy Simmers. Kathy always wanted to live on a farm with horses. When she was 12 years old, she started taking riding lessons. At 19, she bought her first horse. It seemed like she was well on her way, but life doesn't always go in a straight line. Though Kathy faced many obstacles, she never gave up on her dream. Today, Kathy and her husband live on a farm in North Carolina with horses, llamas, a small herd of goats, cats, a dog, and some chickens. Jump the Moon, Kathy's children's book, is based on the true story of her daughter, the girl with the long blonde hair, and the unbelievable bond she developed with her pony, Me Too. Witnessing their story was initially exciting, at times heartbreaking, and ultimately one of the most inspiring experiences Kathy has ever known. It was so inspiring, in fact, that it's why today Kathy lives in North Carolina on the horse farm that she's always dreamed of, where she is currently working on her next book. She hopes that by sharing Jump the Moon, readers will learn the importance of trusting your heart, following your dreams, and never putting limits on what is possible. Saddle up for a conversation about magical moments, leaning into the pursuit of a dream, writing strong stories in a thousand words, and building intuition through horses. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Kathy Simmers. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Hi, Carly. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited to have you. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Kathy has written an incredible book called Jump the Moon that is inspired by a personal story. And we're going to get into a conversation and learn more about the inspiration for this book. So as everyone knows, or if you're new to the show, welcome. I always love to start the conversation off with asking, how have horses touched your life? Kathy, how have horses touched your life? Horses have been with my life for my whole life, but not in the in reality. So I was one of those kids that loved horses from the from the beginning for as long as I can remember, but there was no there were no horses in my life. The horses that I saw were the Saturday morning TV shows, the Fury and my friend Flicka and Roy Rogers and I just lived for Saturday morning and the only horses I rode were the ones that you put the quarter in outside <laughs> of the grocery store. There were no horses and it was kind of funny because my family couldn't figure out where this horse thing came from either. And so, but it wouldn't go away. So when I was 12 years old, I got to take riding lessons. And so, but it was, you know, one of those barns where you're just doing the up-down lessons and you don't really ride. You just kind of, so, but that was my beginning experience. And that's where I met my first horse trainer, Marilyn Ventura. And when I was 19, I ended up buying my first horse, Sinbad, who I just loved. And it was a big thing for me to finally have a, because I, I was told as a kid that only rich people could have horses. Mm. And here I was, I, I had a horse, but I learned something there. And I learned that if you want something bad enough, you can have it. You just have to make that choice to have it. And so I had him for a while and then I ended up divorced, single mom, two kids, and I had to rehome him 
and horses left my life for a number of years until it was time for my daughter to start riding. And when she started riding, I bought my second horse. My sister and I actually bought a horse together. And he, we bought him, he was four years old. And when he was six, we had to retire him. And he became my heart horse. Mm. And I had him until he was 33. He was mm. the love of my life. And um, my husband would say, you know, you love Baron more than me. And I'd be like, honey, I'm sorry. He was here first. <laughs> I, I can't help that. He was fine life. So I met my my husband at the barn. My daughter met her husband at the barn. Horses have been part of our life for our whole lives. And now I live on a farm in North Carolina. I have horses and llamas and chickens and goats. And and I'm living the life that I wanted since I was five years old. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. I love that story. And I so much of that resonates with me. Like the where did it come from? the horses in your life and then out of your life, dreaming of the horses. But how amazing that your daughter also was inspired by horses because, I mean, that was a beautiful spark that brought it back in into your life. And then meeting your husbands at the barn, that's just magical. Having a, a spouse who understands horses, I imagine that was like, that's really amazing for you. <laughs> the way that we got together, my husband and I, was that my daughter was working at the barn. Mm -hmm. And she came home and she said, mom, Gil's getting divorced. You have to go out with him. And I said, I'm not, I don't go out with recently divorced men. And he has four children. And she said, yes, but he has a pony. And so she wanted the pony and she worked on getting us together for like six months before I would finally go out with him. And, and that was it. We went out and we were together and we 28 years now we're together. But if she didn't want that pony, I don't know that that would have ever happened. Well, and that is the glue that horses can become, right? Like the horse and sparked a relationship. I, I so love that. That is amazing. And then the heart horse really speaks to me as well. And I think that is kind of the impetus of what we're going to talk about next, which is your book and the inspiration behind the book, your beautiful book, Jump the Moon. I'm so excited to be, I'm so excited that it's a book. I told that story for years. So the way that that came about was that um, my daughter was 15 and she, she had been working at the barn, riding all kinds of fancy horses. And this pony came in and for training. And so she, she was short, she's five feet tall, so she could <laughs> ride all the ponies. So she got to ride this pony for the summer. She got to show the pony. Merrily was like, this is your project do something with this pony. And the pony was so mean that nobody wanted to go near her. And in fact, she had kicked a farrier in the eye and nobody wanted to shoe her. And it was, she just had a bad reputation. But my daughter was like full of that teenage angst at the time. And she understood the pony and the pony understood her. And the two of them just formed this lovely bond over the summer. And so it was the end of the summer and we were living on Long Island and she took the pony to the Hampton Classic and pinned in this class full of 30 ponies. And she was so excited. And she came out of the ring and the gal that owned the pony said, oh, I'm so glad you, you did such a great job with this pony. And I just sold her. And that was it. The pony was like gone, just gone. Oh, no. Broke her heart. Oh, Broke her heart. Yeah. And so they broke a, the pony's heart too, I imagine, because they had created. Ah, uh -huh. Yes, <laughs> see, broke the pony's heart too, because I think people don't think about what happens to the horse when that happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, these poor horses, they just get shifted from person to person and nobody asked them if it was okay. They just, people are just gone, right? So 
So I was okay. So she got me and my husband together. She had a pony. It was never the same. Mm. She had other horses, other ponies, never the same. And so meanwhile, she stopped riding. She went to college. She got married. She moved to North Carolina. Horses were no longer part of her life at all. Mm. And she calls me and she says, you know, well, she goes, I'm having dreams about me too, which is the pony's name. She said, every night it's a different dream about the pony. We're going to a horse show. We're sitting in the hay. Grandma's putting her on a trailer, like weird, crazy dreams that were coming every night. And I said, you know, dreams like that, you you really have to journal them or something because they mean something. She said, no, when I come home for Christmas, I have to find my pony. She said, I have to know that she's okay. And so she came home at Christmas time and I was waiting for this to see what happened here because she was so shy. She wouldn't call anybody. She wouldn't order a pizza. She wouldn't answer the phone in her own home. Like she was so shy. And I figured she's going to tell me I have to start calling people. No, she came in and she said, I'm calling Merrily. I'm going to find out. She called Merrily. She found out who bought the pony. She called Teresa. She said, who bought the pony? So she had the woman. So Teresa said, let me call her and see if she still has that pony. So she, but she couldn't get hold of Teresa ever again. And she's calling her back, calling her back. And this is like 20 years ago. So technology was different. We didn't have Facebook. We couldn't look people up like we do now, right? And so it was New Year's Day. Her husband was packing the car to go home. There was, it was literally zero degrees out. There was snow everywhere. And she said, I can't, I can't go home. I have to find my home again. And so we had the name of the person that owned her last. We knew she was a horse trainer and we knew what street she lived on. She lived about an hour from us. We didn't know anything else. We didn't have a phone number. We didn't have a farm name. We just knew. So we go out to pack everybody up in my husband's truck and we go out to this to look for this woman, Pat, Pat Meyer, and we turn onto the street and there's snow everywhere. And there's a horse farm here and a horse farm there. And it's New Year's Day and it's freezing cold. And it's like, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how are we ever going to find this Pat Meyer? Like, what? how are we going to find her? There was one woman standing in her driveway. We pulled into the driveway and my husband said, I'm looking for Pat Meyer. And she said, I'm Pat Meyer. And we said, we're looking for a pony named me too. And she said, oh, she was here. I sold her about two years ago. She said, you know, I think I still have the flyer. And she went in the house and she came out with the flyer with the pony's picture on it. And sure enough, that was the pony. She said, I don't know. I sold her to some girls in New Jersey. I, I don't know where she is now. And oh so it was like, oh, my gosh. So she said, I don't know. I, I can see if I can find her. But I, I don't really know if I could even track those people down. So... Now we're leaving. It's a dead end. My daughter's crying on the way home. I'm going to sell my saddle. I'm done with horses. This is it. And six weeks later, she Pat calls me and she says, how serious is your daughter about this pony? Because I think I found her. And I said, I, I, I don't know how serious she is. I said, but you'll have to talk to her about that. I said, but tell me, where's the pony? And she said, well, the, you know, I tracked her down. These people have her in New Jersey and they're ready to get rid of her. They're done with her. So uh, she said, but she said, you know, she said, we rehabilitate horses out here. And she said, and I was watching that pony. And she said, and I knew she was going to kick somebody someday and it wasn't going to be a good end for her. And she said, so we, I got her here. And she said, we used her for the summer. And she said, you know, but you could tell that somebody loved that pony once. And she said, it must've been your daughter. Hmm. And so I told her, well, you'll have to call her and ask her what she wants to do. So my daughter calls me back and she goes, I, I don't know what to do. They, they want Matt's not home. He's away for the weekend. And I, I don't know what, I, I don't know. She said, they want $2,500 for the pony. And I said to her, I said, really? I said, 
I said, so what's the question here? I said, you're going to let $2,500 come between you and the thing that you have wanted the most in your whole life? And she said, you're right, I'm buying a pony. And so, so he, uh, he came home and he said, so how was your weekend? And she said, oh, it's good. I bought a pony. And like, she didn't know where she was keeping the pony. She didn't know what she was doing with the pony. She didn't know if the pony had three legs. Like she didn't know. And so the pony, she got the pony back and the pony came down to North Carolina. And she said, she said, I could have picked her out of a hundred great ponies. Oh, it was just like, it always was. So, so that's, that's the whole story that I boiled down into this little picture book. That's it. The whole thing just came together into this uh, amazing, uh, you know, and the amazing part for me was like, who does this? Mm-hmm. Like really, like we all have dreams, but who does this? Like really pursues that dream. I mean, really pursues that dream. Like mm-hmm. it was when you want something that bad and you pursue it that, that hard. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It was meant to be. Oh my gosh. Thank you for, for sharing that. My heart well, is melting. <laughs> well, oh, but the part I didn't tell you was when Pat go, went to get the pony, she goes to pick up the pony and the pony, she said the pony had gotten so mean that they wanted to, they wanted to chase the pony out of the store with a broom. Oh. And she said, um, she said, I just, she said, I told him, you go stand over there. And she said, I went in, I just whispered in that pony's ear and she walked on that trailer like she knew where she was going. And I, I said to my daughter, I said, you know, that pony called you mm-hmm. like she picked up the phone, you know, like that pony knew, come and get me. Mm-hmm. I believe in that sort of thing. Like the, like the calling to the dreams, all there, they had a connectedness that was supposed to be so, and, and somehow they found their way back to each other. I mean, they both felt it. That is magic. And sometimes I think we ignore that sort of connection, you know, I think we had it more when we were more inclined to be in nature. But now that we've moved into, you know, technology and work and buildings and all that, I think we've lost like this innate connection to sense the, the spirit or the energy things happening within nature that is innate in us, but we ignore it. And and that's just a beautiful story. And and we shouldn't ignore it. Mm -mm. That's the whole, the whole thing is that we miss out on life when we ignore that. Absolutely, yeah. because we are really animals with the gift of language, but there are other kinds of communication. There's energy, there's body language, there's, you know, there's so many different ways. And horse people know that because we communicate with our animals on a different level. And that's where we're so lucky. It, it keeps that innate, natural yes. part of us alive when we interact with our animals. So I love that. I really get that the message in your book is if you have a dream, don't ignore it. Go for it. You, it can happen. You can make it happen. Would Would you agree that that's that's the message? Really, that oh, you me? know, that's the primary. But there's mm-hmm. so many. There's so many levels to that story. Mm-hmm. Like most stories, right? Most stories have a lot of levels. That's the primary, and that's right. The really thing that I hope people get out of that is like, whatever your dream is, don't don't let it just fade away, and don't push it down. Like, make it live. Bring it alive. Like, go for it. You know, but. But the other thing is like everything, so many things happened. And when I talk, when I read it to kids, I ask them questions about it. And I, I say, you know, like the pony was mean and then she wasn't like, how did that happen? You know? And it's, if you return meanness with kindness, you're going to get kindness back sooner or later. You know, she just loved on that pony. And, you know, things like, I asked them to, do you think ponies dream? 
Yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. What do ponies dream about? They, again, dogs dream, oh, dogs dream, right? So why wouldn't horses dream? You know, but then I, you know, you know, we wrote the book as the girl with the long blonde hair and, and the pony and the girl doesn't have a name. And really, because the girl could be anybody. Mm. The girl could be anybody. We should, we all have that dream that we should be pursuing. And so, and then, but the one person in that book that has the name is Pat. Pat's name is in that book. And that's really important too, because we can't do things by ourselves. Like sometimes somebody has to help you along the way. And so, you know, when it looks like a dead end, it's okay to ask for help or the right person is going to show up. That's going to open the door for you and help you get there. Or you're going to be the one that opens the door for somebody else. Mm. You know, like it's, it's, it was such a powerful thing. Like Pat didn't have to go find that pony, but she was just so moved by how passionate my daughter was about finding that pony again, that she couldn't ignore it either, you know, and that's, and that, and that love really transcends time and space. And the other thing that's really important in that story too, is that time had to pass, mm. you know, like sometimes what we want is not now, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's never, it's just not now. And it's a someday, you know, so what day, what day are you going to pursue it? Like, what day is it really going to, is, is it going to be the right time? And I think what I learned from that too, you know, I, I had a, I had two horses on a half acre in New York <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted the farm and I, and me too ended up at my, in my backyard in New York. I, I'm like, why am I here on a half acre? when my whole heart's desire was always to have the whole farm. Like, why Why am I pushing my dream into this little tiny space when it, it should be so much bigger? And that was really the, the catalyst. That little pony sparked your dream also of having your, your horse farm and in the she future. Did. She did. I mean, it really, the whole story really inspired me because, you know, like when I, all of the things that had to be overcome to make that real, Mm-hmm. like that was like it, just take the roadblocks that we put all these roadblocks in our lives that don't really have to be there like why do that yeah you know? oh that is so wise what wise messages I love that it it's based on a real story and it sparked multiple dreams you know this little angry pony made a connection <laughs> with your daughter and then shifted everyone's life in in a in really wonderful ways so that is so amazing what made you decide to bring it to life in a picture book you know a lot happens when we muck stalls right oh yes (laughs) my favorite time to think yes (laughs) and so so when my daughter got pregnant she ended up sending the pony to me in New York and I'm out there and I'm mucking the stall and I'm thinking this is something that this pony landed in my backyard and I'm thinking about this whole story and I'm thinking about how cute it is that the pony's name is me too and the girl and the pony understood each other I'm just kind of like playing with that in my mind. And all of a sudden the book came as a download and I was like, oh my gosh. And I put down the pitchfork and I went in the house and I wrote the story just like that. I had no intention of writing the story. It just, it just came out and it came out as a children's book. Mm-hmm. And the funny part of that is that my daughter said, I don't even know. As she said to me, the story was so big. I don't know how you could ever boil it down to a children's book, but I did. And so that it was never really intended to be that but and then the funny part is people read the book and they said you know it should be it should be a movie that could be a movie and I'm like yeah that could be a movie so I'm talking to my barrier one day and he's like can't be a movie I said you don't think it could be a movie he goes can't be a movie I said why can't it be a movie because 
goes, where would you ever find a horse that mean to play that pony in a movie? <laughs> he never liked the pony. <laughs> so she really was that mean, but she had this special relationship with your, with your daughter. Yeah. That is, yeah. yeah. Isn't it yeah. interesting though, too, like what had happened to her through the p- previous people that, that were in her life before she got to your daughter and experienced that connection and the love, because that's the, that's an interesting thing. For example, I have uh, my mare, Sissy, who is a pain. I've had her since she was three and I did the bulk of her training I kind of took her out of an icky situation and we've been together ever since kind of like your heart horse, you know, I will have her until the end of her life. And she and I are just connected and, and, but she's been raised by me. And then recently my husband and I moved to Arizona, bought a horse property and we brought another horse into our, our world. And it's been so interesting. She's older. She was uh, 14 when we got her. And I can tell she's never had a person and I'm still trying to break through the wall. The connection is coming, but I'm still trying to break through that wall of like, I am not going to leave you. You have a forever home. You can trust me. She's coming around and warming up, but there's like something from her previous life that I feel like is there. Like she wants to love so badly, but she's like, I know I'm just going to get shipped off and sent somewhere else. So I'm not going to connect. And I imagine the, this pony Something like that. It was in the state. Something, something bad happened to that pony. Something yeah. bad, like somebody hurt her because mm-hmm. that that was not it's not natural for her to be like. And that and that had to do with her back her back legs. Like somebody did something to her, whether it's just, you know a farrier hurt her or something. Mm-hmm. But something bad happened to her. Yeah, know? and and it stayed with her her whole life. Like she never forgot that. Yeah, it must it must have been pretty traumatic. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just talk to them? Like, I would love to try out like an animal communicator. Oh. And ha- have you ever tried anything like oh, that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, do, do, how Not about that? that pony? We didn't do it with that pony. We oh, didn't we didn't yeah. do it with that one. Yeah, yeah. I just I think that would be fascinating just to just to know even if that's possible to like, they, they can share something, but topic for another time. Maybe I need to get, <laughs> I need to get an animal communicator on the show. Who's written a book. Yes, That would be, that would be yes. fun. I was galloping around your website, preparing for the interview. And you have this very lovely video about this story on your website that, that uh, hopefully I can link to in the show notes. It's really lovely. And, and you can Thank tell you. that this story has touched the people who are reading the book. I mean, you have examples of people who are like in love with this book. How are you reaching your readers and getting the message out? Uh, you made the lovely video. You have a great website, but like, how are you getting the word out about your book? So I do. I do everything. I do everything I can to get the book out there. I talk to as many people as I can. We. I released the book during COVID, which people were like, "Are you going to release a book during COVID? How are you going to do that?" And so we. I ended up doing the most fun thing of all, as I because I, you couldn't go to schools and read it to kids because mm-hmm. they weren't letting anybody in, but. I was hosting homeschool groups at my farm and I was, I was having so much fun, like getting the real feedback from the kids. And the funny part was I would sit the kids on the hay and I would read them the book and the parents would be behind me wiping the tears. (laughs) And the funny part about that was when I wrote the book, I I cried every time, every time I worked on it. And I said to the editor, I said like, how can I write this book that people are going to cry when they read it? She said, the kids won't cry. The adults will cry. The kids won't cry. And which is true. The kids don't cry, but the adults will tell me she wants to read it every night. And I just can't do that. I can't read it every night. But, you know, I did Facebook ads. I 
went to horse shows. We, you know, circulated it around the horse world, the people that we know there. Uh, last year, I had so much fun. I um, I went to Equine Affair in Ohio. Oh, and cool. We took a, I took a booth and that, that was so much fun. Like, you know, it's just really been a lot of fun that the kids are resonating with this book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my hope is really that they'll get that message, you know, that just follow your dreams, follow your heart. Don't, don't let that dream die. Don't let somebody, so don't let somebody tell you that it can't happen because what if it could, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and thank you for writing this book because these are the kind of books that have impacts on young people and their parents, you know, but like they, these are the books that young people, especially that love horses, will will take with them and those messages do live. So so the art is can influence and impact positive change. So and you're doing that. With Equine Affair, tell me a little bit about Equine Affair. I have not been there yet, but I know that a lot of book authors go. How how was the experience for you? And what what did you do to set yourself up for success there? I'm gonna say if you haven't gone, you should go. Like everybody I like I went I, when I walked in, I had my my granddaughter was with me and one of her friends and I walked came out and I said, It's like it's like Disney World for horse people. It was so wonderful. And so we had a booth and and that that's really all I did was just I showed up with the book and and the interesting part was you know, I've done a lot of Facebook ads and things like that for the book. And and the number of people that already knew about the book mm-hmm. was awesome. So the feedback that I got from that meant that I was reaching my audience with the Facebook ads because people knew about it. But Equine Affair was nice because it was all disciplines. You know, it's not, you know, my discipline is better than your discipline. There was a little bit of everything there. There was something there for everybody. And of course, I didn't get to do a lot of the Knicks and stuff that they do because I had to be there on that floor bending <laughs> my book. But I was having just as much fun signing the book and things like that. But that was a great way to reach horse people. It really that's, was. That's awesome. And and that's that's exactly what it's all about is trying a multitude of different things, just putting it out there into the world and finding your audience. Sure. There can't be a better place than than that or horse shows or hosting r- readings at your farm. So it, that's amazing. And then with the Facebook ads, how did you educate yourself to hit the the right uh, market? Did you do a little training? Did you do a lot of reading? How did you research for success for Facebook ads? Yeah. Because you can do a lot of things with ads. Yeah, no, 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 no. My daughter's a marketing person and she oh. runs my Facebook ads. So I don't even, I can't even tell you how those things work. You know? Oh, lucky dog. That, that's a great example, though. Use people, like you said, you can't do it alone. Use people with the knowledge that you may not have in, to help you do do the work. That's well, and the, the story that I didn't tell you was how I met my editor, because that's oh. another amazing, amazing thing. Everybody needs an editor. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, whatever you're writing, you need an editor. You need a really good editor. And you need beta readers. You need all those things. And, mm-hmm. and so I had written this story. And a couple of weeks later, one of my friends invited me to go to this heart math seminar. And she said, you know, I'm going to a seminar in New Jersey. It's all about coming from the heart. I know that's what you're all about. Come with me. And I, I don't really do that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go. And so I did. And so day one, I'm sitting there having breakfast with this lovely lady from South Africa. And I said, and what do you do for a living? And she said, uh, I edit children's books for HarperCollins. Oh, my goodness. That's magical. <laughs> so now I was like, ooh, could it really be this easy? So I said, I said, you know, I, that's funny. I just wrote a children's book. Like, I'm sure she never heard that before, right? right. And so, so, so I said, you know, she said, well, you could send it to me. And I said, well, you know, I have a copy. Maybe you could just look at it. And so we became very good friends over that three days. And at the end of the three days, she handed it back to me. And she said, you know, she said, um, she said, I think you might have a book here. She said, make the changes and send it to me at Harper. I was like, oh my gosh, 
So meanwhile, so I did that. And four months later, she calls me up. I'll never forget 10 o'clock on a Monday night and says, look at your manuscript. And I'm like, really? And she said, yeah. She said, I think we might have a book. Would you want to come into HarperCollins? And I'm like, yeah, do you want me to come now? Because I'll come now. <laughs> and so, so we made a date. I went into HarperCollins and we made a dummy book and we had lunch and it was lovely. And we were on the road. I was on the road. I was going to have a book. And, and then she left HarperCollins and oh, she went out on, she ended up taking a personal leave. She was gone. And, and she said, I don't know if it's the sort of book that Harper will do, but somebody will do it. So send it, send it out. Somebody will do it. Mm-hmm. And I sent it out. I got rejected. I sent it out. I got rejected. Wow. That book laid around for 20 years. Oh, wow. Years. So 18, maybe really. So then, you know, the publishing industry changed. Mm-hmm. And then I, then, you know, you could self-publish. So I said, all right, I'm going to do this myself. And so I realized very quickly that I was way over my head. So I looked her up on LinkedIn. And guess what? She now has a company that produces children's books. So that connection that I made 18 years earlier or whatever, I called her up. She, you know, we had a great conversation. And so she has a whole team of people. She found the artist for me. She found the art, the art director for me. She found the printer for me. Like she had a whole team of people that came together that made the book possible. I've read so many good stories that needed editing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, I'm kind of snobby about that now. Like have mm-hmm. a good editor. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a good book, have a good editor and, and do it right. Because mm-hmm. especially picture books, you're spending a lot of money to produce that book. Like do it right. Make it worth having. So mm-hmm. she did an awesome job. Oh, that is such a magical story. And it speaks to uh, one of the messages from your book about timing. You, it's, you never quite know when the timing is going to be right, right? And that's the beauty of connectivity and meeting people and sharing what you're up to in your dreams, like putting it out Absolutely. into the world that, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm an author, or I'm writing this book or, you know, because those are when those magical moments happen where there's somebody that is being brought into the universe to assist you. And that I'm so glad you shared that story. That is so Incredible. Well, you know, and I think that's what you're doing here, right? Is that we all come together with our ideas mm-hmm. and everybody's going to learn something and somebody's going to take away something that's going to make it better, easier. Talk to as many people as you can and find out as much. Of, like I, I'm still learning every day, which I, mm-hmm. that's part of the fun part of the journey with the book is I'm learning every day. I'm learning something new. Yeah. And it keeps you like excited and moving and you're using yeah, your brain and there's always something new going on or something's changing and really cool people to talk to and yeah, I, I these conversations on this podcast, especially today, is, is they're just so inspiring and magical. And there's so many stories like that where these yes. magical moments occur in a creative journey, getting to where you where you wind up with a book. And and a lot of it is just magical connections of meeting people along the way, which which gives me hope. And you know, it, there is something magical to being <laughs> a creative. So we have to believe in it, and because it happens, you know. Yes, and that's the fun of it. The fun of it is you don't know what's going to happen along the way, right? You don't know who you're going to meet, or you don't know what the process is. You don't, you don't know how things will unfold. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah. and this whole journey has just like, it's just been amazing. It just like life is so much fun. It's such a it's such a miracle. Like one little miracle after another is yeah, it's just so fun. That's so awesome. And do you feel like that pull toward towards these things that are important to you? Do you feel like a, like a magical drive towards that? Like the horse farm was always there, but the book and, you know, do, do you just feel like that is calling me forward? I don't know why, but I'm going to keep yeah. going in that direction. I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. I couldn't not do the book. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't, it had to, it had to happen. It had to, it ha- had to happen. 
good on you. I am so <laughs> excited. Now, I, I love this, these questions too, because they're really interesting and everybody has a little bit of a different perspective. But for you, what is the best part of being an author? And then on the flip side of that, what has been the most difficult part of your author journey? The best part of the, the best part is the kids. Mm. The best part is the kids. The best part is, is seeing their reaction and, and having them be excited. One little girl went to school. Uh, she had to go to school dressed as a character from her favorite book. And she went as the girl with the long blonde hair with her little stuffed pony. I mean, <laughs> give me that, you know? And that, that for me is important. Or uh, there was somebody that wrote to me on Facebook. She had given up horses. And she got it when she became a single mom, she gave up horses and she got a job because she thought that's what she needed to do. And she said, and now I know that I, I can't live like this. I have to go back to training horses Uh, like that to me, you know, that, that if one person can be inspired by the story, then that makes the whole, the whole thing worth it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that it can go on for a long, like I've told the story a million times, but now all these people that I don't even know have read the story. Like, that's so amazing to me. That is incredible. Yeah. And the hardest part is the marketing part. Mm. The hardest part is how do you get it out there? And, you know, um, and I'm sure that you understand this too. Like, where are the horse books? Mm-hmm. Can't you just Google horse books and they all come up. Like, I what, know. Why are they so hard to find? Like, mm-hmm. I, like, we can find anything on Google. And, you know, you Google children's horse books and you get books about unicorns and like, like, mag- like magical things and like, where are the horse books? Like kids are still reading the the Misty of Chincoteague and Black Beauty and the the Black Stallion books. I am I, I read those when I was a kid, and I am sure that other people have written horse books for children along the way that are probably just as good, mm-hmm. but for some reason they're obscure. Like, why isn't there a way just to tap into this horse community and provide what I know kids are looking for? I I know kids are looking for horse books, you know, yeah. and why is it, why is it so hard? It is, it yeah. is very ch- challenging to find them all in one place. And like a horse book has all these, for some reason, different, different flows or places. It, I, so this is part of this equestrian author spotlight. Eventually, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started, but getting our arms around doing horses correctly and somehow making these books and all these wonderful authors that are writing about horses more visible, searchable, and influential, right? Like let we're the ones that know the horses. We're the ones telling the stories. How do how do we, and this is a message for anyone listening, how do we all come together and really put a spotlight on horse books in a in a strong way? I mean, I know there's there's some publishers out there that do horse books. But there's got to be a way to get these all collected up in and in, in a place where they're more easily found, right? And and segmented per what people are looking for, like horse books for adults. Like I'm an adult that likes to read about horses. I don't always want training manuals. I want fiction. Like where right. are those, right? right? Where are the ones for middle school or middle grade? Where are the children's books that are? accurate about horses how do we get them all bundled up in one place so we can find them I love that you just brought that up because I think part of it too and I I know you mentioned that you had this experience but we're told that these books are too niche and there isn't an audience for horses which I know you and I don't agree with but you know I think that's part of the invisibility sometimes Mm -hmm. around the, the horse book segment yeah yeah is that the the publishing industry doesn't really believe that 
that all these horse people exist. But if you look at how big the, the equine industry is, mm-hmm. these little pony kids are growing up without without pony books. It bothers me. Yeah. Well, not only that, but we have to keep the pony books out there because the way things are changing, not as many children are being exposed to horses because they're on their iPads or they're on their phones or their computers and they're not outside as often. No, it, it is accessibility because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I one of the things that I do is I love to invite kids to my farm and put them on a pony. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I love that because I'm five years old again, Mm -hmm. but I do that, you know, like I'm that kid that didn't get to ride a pony and now I'm giving that experience to another kid. And, and I think, you know, when I was a kid, there were places where you could go for pony rides and Mm -hmm. now you really, there really isn't a place that you can go. Like once in a while, the bear comes to town and they might have pony rides, but there's no place that you can go and really ride a pony, you know, like it just doesn't exist for kids, you know, and a lot of them, they're not going to go take riding lessons if their family doesn't know like where to do that, how to like, it's just a dream that they can't have, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad to me because it, it's the horses are so important in our lives, right. For you mm-hmm. and I, that it's to imagine a kid that wants a horse that can't, can't get near one is mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. Offering your farm as a place for children to get close to horses is really special. That, that really swings the gate open so they, they can have that experience. I always say, because I had horses in my life, it's so much more than just the riding of them. It's that mm-hmm. connectivity. It's the relationship. But also mm-hmm. I learned to put something else before myself. Like I, I have way more empathy mm-hmm. and I think of the horses before I think of anything for myself. Are oh, yeah. they fed? Have they seen the vet? Are, are, you know, are they warm? Are they cold? Do they have enough water? It's the, when's the next farrier appointment? I always had to be, the stalls need to be clean. Yes. It was always a responsibility other than, you know, just taking care of myself. And, and it gets you out of that selfish frame. And it also kept, has, in my adult life, made me very organized because I, you know, I keep lists. I know it needs to happen, but I attribute a lot of that to all the preparation and different things I had to go into horse ownership as a young person. All the things you have to do to prepare for a 4-H horse show, like all uh-huh. of that, that teaches you to be an effective human, you know, taking care of the horse exactly. or yourself, like all of those things, I think make you a better human being. So those are yes. the things that are, that are good for children. Um, not only that, like respect, you know, respect of the horse, understanding the space, learning body language, all those things. It, it makes you like more in tune, I think, being around them. Absolutely. Just riding lessons. So yeah, cool. Absolutely. And then have you listened to anything or read anything or seen anything lately that has really inspired you to, to take action or something you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, yeah. So I started getting to Liberty with my horses mm-hmm. and um, I took a Liberty class with Nan Zin, Zin Master and she works under Carolyn Resnick mm-hmm. and Carolyn's book, Naked, Naked, Naked Liberty, I think is the name of the book. Awesome book. But we did a meditation with the horses mm-hmm. and I was sitting out there with the horses. And after she read a piece of the book and talked about that, I said, you know, it all happens in the pause. It, everything happens in the pause. We're so busy with our lives that we don't pause. Mm-hmm. And when you think about horses, right, you want them to do something and then you pause and you wait for them to lick and chew and just let you know that they've got it. Like horses teach you to have that pause. You can't just push them through it and keep like, you know, and we're just going, going, going. When you think about being creative, you know, when you're always running, when you're always busy, you know, like, it's like the mucking the stalls thing, right? It's the, 
it's the pause. And so that, that to me was something that I really hold on to, you know, mm. that idea of when things get so busy, it's like, just pause. And I learned that from the horses. They're very good at that about like, right. When you think about that, something scares them. What do they do? They stop. Mm -hmm. They look, they process, right? I mean, that's, that's what you do. So I, that's, that's my little word of inspiration for today. Oof, I love that. <laughs> that is, I am taking that with me for the rest of my life. That is really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Let's pause. Take oh. a pause. But some of the best ideas, I think, like the cleaning of the stalls, my best ideas come when I'm pausing or in the, you know, in the shower. Yes. And then that's when the, the magic kind of happens because you're, you're just letting yourself be. And I, that's really lovely. I, th I think you kind of put the pieces together, right? Like when yeah. you pause, it's kind of things just come together. It's like, oh, that's what that was about. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And then this is another great question because there's so many dimensions to this, but for you, what does creativity mean? I love that question. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's, that's creating something that's like making something that doesn't taking something that doesn't exist and bringing it into the world. Mm -hmm. And that can be in anything that you do, right? It's whether that can be you're cooking something or you're making something or like gardening, like whatever you're doing, you're taking something that didn't exist before and now you're making it exist. Mm -hmm. and that, how much fun is that? Oh, it's, it's, an, it's incredible. Great answer. Now, what are you curious about? What's next? Where are you heading with your author career? I'm curious about how to bring us together as authors and, mm -hmm. and make something happen. That's like really like a, a passion. Like I'm looking for other authors. I'm looking for other children's book authors. Like how do we package this together and make this mm -hmm. something that's easily accessible for people? Uh, there's a couple of things that I'm working on too. Like my next book is, I'm, I'm working on my next book right now. That's going to be another one about Pony that, that, that was also inspired by, I had a, I had a retired show Pony that somebody gave me. And um, I had a little girl come over one day and she was about six years old. And the pony just looked at her like, would you be my girl? And I was like, oh, Pippin, you had a girl once. So my next book is Posey's Problem. And Posey's problem is that her kids keep growing up on her. Oh, and Posey. She loves, she loves her kids and they keep growing up. So that's a, that's the, that, that will be out in October. And uh, we're working on the art right now. And they have the same artist. And I'm really excited about that project. Oh. And then, and then Jump the Moon needs to be a chapter book. Mm. And that's going to, there's like just so much more to that story than, than, you know, than what you see in the 32 pages of the picture book. So. Um, oh, that's exciting. I love yeah, that. Idea. So I don't, I don't know. I was trying to do another author and I said, I said, I don't know. I don't know if I can write that many words. <laughs> and she said, she said, I don't know. I tried to write a picture book. I couldn't tell. I could. She said, I'm way too verbose. I couldn't tell a story in, in a thousand words. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of hard too. But, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> but there's, there's so many levels to that jump the moon story that I think older kids would like, or even adults. And it's just. Definitely. So I can see so much yeah. there. Like the, the chapter book for the, the middle agers, but you could even create it into a memoir. For adults like it could be yes. a real story that yes. these other stories there you, yeah. isn't that awesome yeah. with your intellectual property you can mix it up chop it up and use it in so many different ways exactly. for different audiences. yeah 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 so that's a lot of things that I'll that I want to do <laughs> that's awesome I have so many things I want to do that I'm like oh my gosh I hope I have enough time like but that's a good place <laughs> to be in right like <laughs> 
It, you know what? I mean, and we have all these because really, like I could say that too, right? And there are so many. I'm, I say I'm the queen of unfinished projects, but you know, the ones that are really important mm-hmm. are the ones that won't leave you alone, right? The ones mm-hmm. where you just, I have to do this. I have mm-hmm. to do this. Absolutely, and and then to that point, like the queen of unfinished projects. I, it's it's interesting because like uh, yes have all these ideas but to your point y- the best way to tackle it is to pick one rather than going in a hundred different right, directions right, 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 right. trying to do all these different things I'm going to focus here for now see this through to the end and then I'll pick up what 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 is calling me forward next you know what yes. I mean like because when I first started yes. writing I had idea 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 and I'm like hold on Rather than jumping over here to this other idea, I am going to finish the In the Rain series. A, because readers want the next books in the series, but also like that gives me a complete project and something to intellectual property to work with in the future. You know, and then when that's complete, I'll go over here and do this thing. But it's like I I noticed if you've got to focus and tunnel forward mm-hmm. on, on in completing one thing before you do other things. And I think that's how you get to completion quicker. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, cause that's, you know, like I, like I say, when I say I start a lot of things like that, I have a whole notebook full of notes of, mm-hmm. you know, future books that will may, may or may not happen. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are important, they'll come to the surface. Like those stories yeah. will come together first and yeah. they'll be books and others may never be books, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome though. But you write down the ideas. It's important to write down the ideas yeah. and then you'll know, when you when you're ready for the next project, right. okay, this one's important. Here's what I'm going to focus on. But if you hadn't captured any ideas, the important they just, ones, right. they just float away, float away yeah. if you don't write them down. Yep. Yeah. All right, I love it. I'm a journaler too. <laughs> Kathy, I have so enjoyed having you on the show. Would you let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your books? Okay, so it's uh, my website is read r e a d jumpthemoon.com. So you can just go there you'll find all the links. I will make sure to include the photos that you've sent over and links to where people can find more information about you and your books and your social media channels in the show notes. And Kathy, thank you so much for the gift of your time. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Oh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. (laughs) Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author, who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle. <laughs>